everyone, and welcome to episode number 95 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined by Barra. Hey, everyone. And Tristan. Still here. <laughs> it's good. It's been a little while since we've connected yeah. with y'all and, and done an episode, so... Remember, gonna... remember last episode, we were like, we have so many things we want to cast, yeah. but we can't wait to put out, we can't wait to put out a whole ton of episodes. So that was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. As anyone, as anyone who has grown up knows, trying to get three to four people's schedules to coalesce is almost impossible. <laughs> We've been doing it for a while, and I'm excited. We're we're so close. We're so close to nine to a hundred. Sorry. Oh my god. Oh. We're so close to a hundred. But it'll only take us another 10 years at this rate. Maybe we'll, yeah, exact at, at, at our rate of decay, at a rate of regression, it will take us about 10 years. Well, but in an effort to cheat a little bit on that today, we're actually going to talk about three games that we've, we've played a bit of talk through our thoughts. We all have different levels of um, familiarity with each of these games, but they're all games that, we feel passionate enough to talk about for one reason or another, positive and negative. Sorry, Barra, you are about to say something. Yeah, I mean, just also in our defense, I feel like that there's also just been a lot of things happening happening in different parts of our lives and such. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I believe, uh, you know, uh, I believe, um, you know, like I, I switch jobs. I'm getting to work as a full time union organizer, which is excellent. Uh, I believe at least two of us have moved. Um, and all of us, you know, are busy, busy with our work, even when we're not in the job switching portion of it. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just like, and, uh, you know, and also, you know, like we have just had a number of times where we haven't really had the energy to cast, but you know, we watched a lot of anime this year together, Mm -hmm. which is also pretty, which is also, I think a time well spent. So, you know, I like, I'm going to, I'm going to be on the side saying we should be not as hard on ourselves. I mean, you know, there's lots of crap thing talking about people being in a, crisis of like men in their 30s having no friends but their partners and uh you know i i feel pretty great that i'm a man who indeed has friends in his 30s and uh that there is lovely people like you as among them is, is great so i say we're not that bad I'm, I'm, I'm going with that uh speaking of which are you guys do you guys want to be up for some more chainsaw man after we're done recording uh, I'm not. I actually am going to be uh, meeting with my uh, oh, meeting with a writing partner after after ah. the recording. So no Chainsaw Man this evening, but um, definitely Chainsaw Man in the coming week could week could mm-hmm. be very nice, especially since I'll yep. be in a hotel room in Rochester uh, after doing a lot of unionizing stuff on Sunday. So I will probably be very dead slash very interested in uh, seeing uh, animated people um, uh, go go fight demons. And then have I, the, the wolf in their eyes. I did like what I saw so far, so I am excited to continue that. Just we'll find a, a good right. time and we'll do it. Same, well, yeah. works, then. Same then I'll here. Use, then I'll it's, use time after great. recording tonight to make tacos. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but yeah, I no, can't think uh, of a better way. Uh, g- genuinely, thank you for uh, making us well sit down for Chainsaw Man. Um, I it's 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 a lot. Is it, is we were kind of, um, and as as Dan, I think I think it was you, Dan, who was saying that like a. Uh, there's a lot of like just like Western, um, non-animated cinema like cinematography that's in Chainsaw Man that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like there's they clearly see and uh, or maybe you were saying that Tris, but there's a lot. They the people who are animating it have clearly watched Sam Raimi, Raimi and Quentin Tarantino, and uh, are used that knowledge to make some really excellent compositions. Mm-hmm. 
we are going to talk about three games today and mm. i'll add timestamps for each of the discussions so if you're i'll tell, talk about the three games we're going to talk about and then if you all want to look at timestamps and you're listening you may mm-hmm. but the three games we're going to talk about in this order are uh, halo infinite Barra spent a lot of time with that one and has lots of things to say i spent some time with it elden ring which is a game i spent a good amount of time with and I know tristan has spent some time with Bear's seen a bit of <laughs> and then signalis is a game that tristan spent a good amount of time with that he really wanted to talk about today and so. i won't shut up about <laughs> <laughs> which is why we have the podcast in the first place and yep. we'll we're going to talk about those three games today so i'm excited it's sort of like 95 96 and 97 all together so maybe we can uh <laughs> cheat it a little bit but well, uh, we're going to get started today with talking about Halo Infinite, the long-awaited Halo game that mashes open-world concepts with the Halo gameplay you're familiar with, along with some other borrowed concepts. And uh, Bera, I'll start with you on your, because you're the one who really wanted to talk about this one and what you thought about Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite is a pretty much a triumph in the video game and it is uh so i said before the cast probably one of the best examples of writing an excellent story from a really deep hole um and i think what also sets it apart is is that it writes an excellent story from a deep hole without using uh you know the in many ways the cheat codes although perfectly that cheat codes of like either time travel or just retconning or like we're going to ignore that um and so, for anyone who unfortunately played the Halo before Infinite Guardians, um, Halo 5 Guardians is just an abysmal game. Like, gameplay-wise, it's awful, doesn't feel like Halo, um, this whole, like, squad mechanic basically made it nearly impossible for you to just, like, straight-up die, unless there's a total party kill, which pretty much, like, took away a lot of the fun of, like, in, of Halo, which is that, like, you're into hard fights, you die, you then respawn and you, know, you then like go back from your save point and try to beat the hard fight until you eventually get the hard fight. It's fun. It's a, it feels like it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great pattern that didn't need to be changed. And for the record, I'm going to say I'm someone who doesn't have an issue with games changing, evolving, etc. But this was essentially putting in a mechanic that was significantly worse than the previous one. And then having a story which essentially made Cortana, who is pretty much like, you know, your, the, uh, the love interest of, um, a sexual king, um, Master Chief. <laughs> I was like, uh, as I was playing through this other game, I was like, wait a second. You know, it's always the, the, the thing between Master Chief, you know, the space breed saving the world with like the great freaking cheesy one lives, et cetera, and Cortana, his AI, it's always been a romance, but I was like, wait a second. It's also totally asexual. Master Chief is an asexual icon. <laughs> <laughs> not if not if you watch the Halo TV show. Woof. I haven't seen the Halo wow. TV show you yet. Don't. So I'm just going to just don't. <laughs> oh god. Regard uh, regardless of which, and that's and I, I haven't heard so many good things about that. It's someone who's like adores Halo. Um, you know, but they basically made Cortana into this evil evil AI who wants to pretty much take away people's freedoms by control by controlling the universe and committing, uh, and committing war- uh, massive genocidal war crimes. And 
it just, it's not as if you can't have a heel turn, but it's just, like, literally is coming out of left fucking field. And also, I mean, you know, the fact that Cortana is, like, a female character as well. I mean, you can totally have evil women. Evil women villains are fine. But it's also just, like, she was fine until she went crazy, and then she's destroyed the world. It's just, like... Like, leading into the worst of tropes, and it's not even fun. Um, so, and it's, it's, it was it's bad. It's really obvious that the 343, in many ways, ain't they ain't Bungie. Like, if Bungie was going to do that, you know they would have gone back to the their old standbys of Rampancy, and there would have been, like, a multi-game arc. I mean, I, I just but, feel like, you know, the, the, the real... At, at the end of the day, the real thing to have done was that when Cortana died in 4 to just have her stay fucking dead. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bet. And, you know, give her, like, you know, have, like, the arc, have loss, etc., and then have the next one. But that didn't happen. They're in a giant hole where basically, like, the gameplay is awful, and then you're about to be good. And then the next game is set up, and you're going to be fighting your ex-girlfriend who's gone rampant and is killing people. And it's just like, this is unfun. And... Well, and remember when, three, remember when 343 tried to turn Bungie... Uh, Try to turn Halo into Call of Duty. Yeah, it's like it's like guys. No, there's a reason why people there's there's surprisingly little overlap between Call of Duty players and Halo players. It's a different thing. It's just a it's different a game. different thing, and it shouldn't be the same. Yeah. Um. And to the credit of three four three, Infinite is amazing because they whoever was done was like okay. We are literally going to skip the setup from this thing that no one was having fun with. Um, or at least I was having fun with. Maybe there was a secret group of fans that were, but given the reaction of Infinite, I think I'm probably amongst the majority. Instead, you just so you jump forward way in time where um, essentially Cortana has been contained to this Halo ring and um, the Banished have caught, were this faction from Halo Wars of like folks who were a part of the covenant and now are they're doing their own own thing like basically an, an alliance of aliens under this uh group called atriox have basically come to uh get revenge on humanity but also and also to get revenge on cortana because cortana literally blew up the the uh the brute home world which is again fucked up and they don't shy away from that so in the beginning you are you but you essentially are like thrown into, like, the first cinematic as Chief getting the crap beat out of him, and thrown into space, and then he's recovered by this dude, um, this pilot, and then he has to go and find out what exactly happened, and he gets to the surface of this halo ring, and then there's, then you pretty much have this beautiful open world where you can go and do your missions, but in the meantime, you can also, you know, deal with high-value targets, rescue um uh, re rescue marines who are like being trapped in the fire squad you know like look at lore shit um and i know that sounds like a terrible ubisoft game but <laughs> my god does it actually work and why it works is because really what the game premise is that do you like halo fights do you like going into a situation where like you know you have challenging enemies and you have to switch off weapons, you have to discard your own weapon because you're out of ammunition, you have to be crafty, you can approach the fight in many different ways, use the environment, use vehicles, and then finally come out of it with like one bar out with like just one little bit of thing away from getting, a, getting shot in the head and having to start over again. 
you know, why don't you have a whole open world where you get to have as many Halo fights as you want? And that why you I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I was about to say is that the reason why the campaign for Halo Infinite works so well is because they, instead of being, I mean, they're mission based, but what it really comes down to are a bunch of playgrounds for Halo systems and mechanics. So it's just rearranging things and putting items and weapons and vehicles in different places and saying, okay, you know, here's your scenario do with it do with it what you will exactly and yeah the sandbox quality is absolutely a lot of fun and i'm glad you mentioned that because again there's a lot of different ways you can approach things uh with, with, with the with the game it really goes to appeals to like a lot of different play styles um you know however you want to use your weapons etc these um the, the there's these loading points where essentially you can go and call in vehicles after you've done a certain amount of other weapon missions or different types of weapons etc um, they're a lot of fun. The high-value targets, actually a lot of fun. Uh, some of them are really challenging. Some of them are just like, meh, but they're still great, and you get like a special, like, modified version of like a weapon after you defeat these, like, you know, high-level um, people who are in part of the Banished. And I should say it's also fun to, like, read their kind of rap sheet, because there is a lot of written material if you want more, and it's fun that, with that. And similarly... You know, the story has a lot of emotional resonance because really what it's about is is that it's, it's very much about Chief coming to terms that, um, with his failure because he blames himself for Cortana going bad. Um, so, and he blames... But, oh, sorry, go on, Tris? But then... Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Is it is it not a little weird that John Halo is now hanging out with his ex's cuter younger sister? So it's inter- <laughs> it's interesting with that. So yeah, they basically do have another. They do have a. He is paired up with the weapon, which is essentially a, which is pretty much Cortana. Which you find out later on isn't just like another version of Cortana. It's literally Cortana before she met Chief. It's literally the copy of Cortana before before she met Master Chief. Cuter younger sister. Yeah, and. <laughs> But one of the interesting things about that is is that one, you are seeing like, you know, both her like existentially come to terms with that when that revelation happens. One. And two, Chief coming to basically the terms of like, you know, was, you know, her being in contact with me, did that cause her to go bad and to go bad and become a war criminal? And similarly also just seeing like the kind of like the loss that you know, like that and there's the the pilot who rescues him um, initially, who just wants to go home. Uh, he also again kind of like human experience of like seeing the chief as the legend who has saved the world multiple times and is doing it again. And again, it, it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty moving. And uh, and you know, there's a lot of flashbacks to previous to, to previous games to in text stuff and. You know, like, the main thing is that the Banished are teamed up with, like, this alien who's trying to release this uh, group of other aliens that were imprisoned by the Forerunners. Uh, and by the end of it, you really, you see that um, Cortana, that one, Cortana is very much dead dead. Um, but, like, she blew herself up in order to stop the, the Banished from, release it, uh, uh, from releasing these, these aliens. And she has also made it so that um, your 
that the other that that her copy of herself didn't actually um, get deleted, so Chief could find her because she was like, "Wait a second, the problem with it is that we're actually bad on her, or I'm bad, or we're." This is I. The only real thing in terms of going bad was her, but like she basically said that like we are we are best as a team, like you know that like like when we're separated, that's when the bad stuff happens, and like we have you you all have the opportunity to to actually like make th make things right. And you know it's it's a, it's beautiful and glorious and cheesy, um, but I absolutely loved it. And uh, you know I and I will I will say that there's also just a lot of those one-liner set-piece moments that are just vintage Halo on the line of like that Halo Two bit with like Master Chief defend this station. I need a weapon. It's like it's glorious. It's really glorious and fun. And uh, you know I mean. Halo is never going to be everyone's cup of tea. My partner, who has no experience with Halo, has watched me play. This is like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. So I'm like, shut up! It's moving and beautiful! <laughs> it's so fucking beautiful! <laughs> He's going to give the Covenant back their bomb! <laughs> yeah, and in terms of how it ranks with other stories, um, because I am a fake nerd man, um, I've only played through ha all the stories of Halo from Halo 3 on up. But having played one and two, like, you know, since this is because I did not have access to a few game system that played that until college. Um, but that being said, you know, I've played some of one and two. I've seen friends play it, et cetera. And I, the friend, it's, it's definitely the best, Infinite's definitely the best Halo campaign I've played through all myself. And of friends who played all of them, they would say Infinite's the best since Combat of all. Um, but yeah, it's also because of all the lovely sandboxy stuff. It's really, I played it after finishing the main story a pretty long time. I'm probably going to go back to it shortly to finally finish all the high-value targets. And, uh, no, um, it's just really good. It's just a really... It's a great story. And I should also say, mechanically, it's the best of the hills. Like, there's a grappling hook. And that actually allows you to move about both battles and terrain better than anything else. And it's just like, oh, why don't all games have this damn thing? It's real. It's real nice. Anyways... I have ranted a while. Um, I know that you played some of this, Dan. What, 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 are, what are your thoughts or questions or, or anything on that? Well, I was just going to say that grappling hook is amazing. I mean, every game should have a grappling hook. Agreed. It's always fun. Uh, but it's it's a good one. I was, of course, the first thing I upgraded on the tree. Thousand percent. The, the campaign, so I could use it before I even landed again. Um, so that was, that was my favorite thing. Um, I enjoyed it. I really liked... So I played on Heroic, I think. It's the hard mode, but not legendary. Mm -hmm. So, like, not super hard. And I thought that was a good challenge, similar to the original Halo trilogy. Uh, one thing I found myself really enjoying, actually, were the boss fights. Oh, so my I didn't, gosh. I forgot about that. Go on. I, I didn't get... So I, I've... Full disclosure, I've pro I probably... I played a good deal of multiplayer when Halo Infinite first came out when it was just free to play multiplayer. And then I played through probably a solid four to five of the bosses in the campaign. So that's about as far as I got personally before I moved on to other games. But that is, that is what I played. And I enjoyed that every boss fight was very, again, to the point I played was very unique and required a very specific set of strategies to beat. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed um, the bosses, um, especially playing on Heroic. They can be quite difficult. Uh, I died a ton 
um, especially on uh, Brassus. The uh, did you end up beating Brassus, the guy with the uh, with the in the enclosed space with the hammer? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. The hammer guy. So fucking hard. Yep. Yeah, that was one yeah. of my faves. I like the invisible one. That the was one good who went too. invisible a lot. I think the last one I fought was the robot you fight at the top of a tower. There's like a short mission, and then you fight this thing that you have to that chases you around. Yeah, that one beam. is that one was it's like a robot. That one was robot uh, thing was mildly challenging. Um, did you you fight him again though? Yeah. And the reason why I say mildly is, is that like that was fine. I think it died me once or twice. You fight him again, and it's really fucking tough. Um, like you, uh, he comes gotcha. back, and that is cool. that's intense. Uh, when you, the final boss is, uh, it's mostly challenging because like you're also getting waves of tough enemies, and I literally ended up beating her. Like, gotcha. with, my laser sword was out of lasers, and my other gun was out of it, so I ended up like beating her with the hilt of the laser sword to get the last points of damage. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things that, just just beat him to death oh, with like, the handle I kid you not yeah. it's a non, we call that a non-lethal exactly. takedown and yeah. you know that's one of the nice things which again as you're saying like, you know, Halo Infinite really encourages of like that emergent gameplay of like making your own cool moments and that's one of the great things about great video games is that sometimes they just allow you to like create something that wasn't ever scripted so yeah, I have this like beautiful epic finish of the campaign where like literally not a single yep. bullet. I'll do it by with the freaking handle of this. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's really good to me. Sorry, Dan. The old, the older I get, the more yeah. The older I get, the more I fall into this category of gamer where I like games that give you interesting systems mm. to play with and then just tell you to kind of go with it so breath of the wild's a great example of this where it's here are our systems here's our weapon system here's our elements weather system here's our physics system go go do whatever you want here's a combat encounter i think halo falls in the same kind mm. of category even going back to the first one here are vehicles here are grenades, physics, you know, jump pads, guns. <laughs> just uh, do what you want, figure it out. And I, I just like those types of games. I thought Infinite was a return to form for that style of game. I won't speak as much to the writing because I wasn't paying as much attention. But I think you said you really enjoyed. I mean, you've already talked a lot about the story, but I think you also like the writing yeah. of the game and. Yeah, no, together, definitely. So. Um, uh, the the story was good, but you know, to me, like at least personally, you know, a, a story a, a story isn't is only as good as um as the writing around it too. And yeah, I thought the that there's a lot of pretty excellent dialogue and 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 uh, that, that was included with like moving that story forward. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm definitely excited to at this point to to to, to see where things go and such. Uh, you know, and I, in terms of like you know the Bungie or three four three, like this was a beautiful return to form for Halo, um, but you know there will always be a part of me that does would wonder like you know if Bungie had had the ability to um, to make Halo four, what would it look like? And I'd always thought you know until they came up with this, which actually dealt with things beautifully, like you know maybe a solution after five would literally be just like hand the keys to either Bungie or people who are assigned from that original writing team and be like, okay, just do Bungie's TM uh, Halo 4 and just like 
start the story just from three. But to this team's credit, they didn't shy away from anything they had previously done. And they're like, no, we are going to literally write something that feels like Halo, that's going to set up a story for like the mechanics of this world, and also really grapple with a lot of the with like the reality of like what if the person you cared the most about in the world became a war criminal of the worst degree. Um and uh and yeah, I think that that's uh it's it's pretty uh, pretty satis pretty sad pretty satisfactory all around and yeah, like it's uh, and mechanically it's just like an a- absolutely positive yeah. Now, but, I think yeah, it's I, I think it's important any discussion of a Halo game we also yeah. need to talk about multiplayer. Yeah. Um and we're not going to get bogged down in the whole there's still no couch co-op. Oh yeah, co-op. no. <laughs> we're not going to get bogged down in the custom games still don't work. Um but what I do want to touch on is uh I believe at this point uh the creation tools have come out yes yes uh yes to my knowledge yes i remember seeing press releases about it i have not actually messed yeah with them. I, I... barrett have you had any experience with the new the forge tools yeah i, I have it personally have you done uh, i have not i i, uh, I will oh, sorry so <laughs> but womp womp. I, I will say that um i'm i i'm someone who plays halo for the single player but having played the multiplayer, I really also have been enjoying that quite a bit. Um, mostly it's just like the team, mostly I've just been playing Team Slayer. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's really nicely balanced. Uh, you know, the, I, and I like how, I liked how both being able to, you know, like gain access to powerful weapons and also knowing how to use your basic uh, output, um, the, your basic loadout. Are both very uh, are both very valuable and uh, legitimate ways to play the multiplayer. Um, so I've been I, I I was really pleased with my multiplayer experience. What about you, Dan? Yeah, no, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, no, I thought it was really fun. It wasn't. It didn't hold me forever, but for a few months, you know, my friends and I would play quite a bit, and the they had a lot of really cool modes. I like the Fiesta mode, where it randomizes the weapon pickups you get when you spawn. So sometimes you you spawn with a you know a pistol and uh, another pistol, and then sometimes you spawn with a sword <laughs> and a rocket launcher. <laughs> but you, you just play with it as you as you go. But that was a fun mode. It definitely feels somewhere. I think they really went hard into the Call of Duty territory, and this feels like they pulled back from that a little bit. But it's still unless you play the big team versions, which take place on Halo-ish maps. For the most part, it's like a somewhere between a Halo and a Call of Duty, I would say, for the size of the map, the objectives, and the way that the gunplay and yeah, movement feels. It is interesting uh, you mentioned that, and that, um, uh, that the maps are... You do not have a large sandbox, at least of the ones I've played. And again, it's mostly been like on the Team Slayer mode, where like, you know, it's... Um, some of them are actually very condensed, but there's not one where it's like, you know, you get that whole like... I'm on a freaking Halo ring or a Blood Gulch where, like, I have to do a lot of trekking before I even find something, before I even get into to, 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 to combat. It's just like, am I going to get into combat real immediately or a few beats um, before I'm uh, In the team version, sorry. the uh, There is a mode called Big Team Battle, 
that you can try. It's larger numbers, and they're the bigger maps. Nice. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I also found that was a fun and, and interesting team player that is really, at least is that I'm uh, really being able to coordinate with your people is also huge. Like, you know, since things are pretty nicely balanced, unless you are just a straight ninja, uh, getting like a force advantage on someone, get, like getting someone into two on one or a three on one is pretty huge. And also, you know, like when, which then oftentimes, you know, if, yeah. if both people are doing their groups are doing their jobs. That also means that, like, you'll have these climactic and periodic four-on-four -four clashes where, like, <laughs> where it's pretty much an all-or-nothing situation. Uh, which, again, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The only thing All right. that was a problem, and I'm not sure if they've patched <laughs> it, but I doubt they have because it seems fundamental, <laughs> that really all right, all right. stuck in my craw <laughs> <laughs> is that... As you all know, back smacks are yes, instant kills yes, in are. Halo games, Yep, which I think is a great percent. mechanic by itself. But, but in the old Halo games, bodies had collision. Yep. So you can walk up, you'd have to walk up behind the person and sneak up on them and punch them. In infinite multiplayer, unless they've patched it, it is possible to walk through yep. a person that you're fighting and smack their back from basically inside of them. I think they might <laughs> have patched that. Um, I I don't remember. Okay. I don't okay. I don't remember getting to do a Mortal Kombat style internal smack your gizzard um, type deal. Uh, I I definitely have to do customs. I'll have to do one v one customs and I'll Gosh, walk. Now I need to like go total too. fucking. Um, uh, I remember the 1990s child. Um, thing where like uh, where where just yeah. a mod where you combine Mortal Kombat and Halo, which with the grappling hook would be pretty sweet because that could be Scorpion. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, no, I was about, about to say, say I, that that's uh, oh, go just play have... it. Infinite was great. Um, certainly would be my game of would uh, certainly is going to be uh. If we do the time of flat is it as a flat circle situation again, I think when we do our best of, I think it's going to be we definitely do my game of the year, um, even though it came out in twenty twenty one. Now I've just got one last Always. question for you, Barra. But how? But but how does Infinite stack up to its predecessor? Uh, you mean to to Guardians? No, the real predecessor. Three? No, the real predecessor. You're going to have to tell, tell me the punchline of this joke, because I, I, I picked it up. The true Marathon? infinite predecessor. How does it stack up to Marathon <laughs> Infinite? You know what? I've only played a little bit of a Marathon game, but that's Marathon 2. Um, uh, I, I, and that, and that being said, while there's many old games that like, ah, it's fine, I'm probably not going to play them through, uh, ever again, um, that's probably, I also got to include even classics that I should play through, like, um, Final Fantasy VII and such, um, I will, def I, if I had the ability, which I probably do, of just, like, playing through a bunch of marathon, I think I might, um, because again, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's been intriguing to me, and I like Bungie's so early work. So so fun fact. So fun fact. 
you can play a marathon. You can play it for free. You don't even have to do any oh, wacky bullshit to get it to work. Yep. Oh, I will. Uh, because Bungie released the source code, and there's been a very, very dedicated community keeping it alive and updating it for modern systems. Nice. Excellent. Very good. And back to the conversation about Bungie, because I don't think I spoke about it of when course. you asked the question or talked about it. Like they, they, they feel like a company a la Valve or um, you know the, the folks who used to be at Infinity Ward who went to Respawn in that they're like a company that doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again and they want to move on to the next thing. So it, I don't know. They could have... Would Halo 4 under Bungie be different? Maybe. But it also felt like... Like, I don't think there's going to be a Destiny 3, for example. I I, I feel like Bungie's going to move I mean, to something that's, else. And that's totally fine. And try something oh. different altogether to advance the medium. No, I mean, that, yeah. that and that's, that's incredibly legit. Bring back Myth, the Fallen Lords. Well, I mean, I, have, I mean, it, it, it's, this is about to go into a big, big hole right now. But, uh, you know, with that being said, you know, well, not the Bungie. <laughs> the I mean, Bungie hole. Bungie's, you know, they're doing their thing, and they're a game company. My question is, is Valve ever going to give us a Dan Half-Life sequel? Which is probably the answer is no, but I still hold out hope for it uh, as a child who remembers the 1990s. Well, probably not. Oh, no, I agree. Because, <laughs> again, when I say that, like, Bungie is a video game company, you know, that's that business. Valve is a video game distribution company at this point, um, which is fine. They are. Yeah. They keep but they, they, Yeah, they, but they've also, yeah, yeah, and I will say that the big hope for it is, is that they never said we're not doing it, you know? So... Without spoiling anything for uh, for others, um, well, obviously, hey, episode Half Life Two, episode two points to something more, but uh, Half Life Alex also, um, uh, what's the way? What's the best way to put this? Half Life Alex also provides some implications to uh, Half Life Three, so it's. There, it's on the table. If they wanted, if they want to oh, go no. for and it, I mean, it would be it. huge, absolutely huge, if they did in terms of games. Just a question of like, uh, they have a will, which they may. If they do, uh, I will certainly be paying them money to play it. Well, they want to do neural networking stuff, so you might have to shell out thousands of dollars for a brain tool. <laughs> to yeah, no, F-Life I 3. will do many things, but I'm not. I am. I am. Let the record show that I am never putting a freaking computer thing in my brain. No, thank you. Hmm. Not even not for Lord Gaben. Not for Lord Gaben. No, no. I no, no. Trish, he demands Trish, I'm you. Gonna be like, I'm going to be like those two. You will I'm be t- those two old homeless men in Ghost in the Shell, who are the only person who saw the laughing man's face because they're the only ones who didn't have the thing in their brains. Exactly. Yeah, because they didn't have exactly. any augments. <laughs> yep. Me, I can't wait. Get, get this stupid machine of meat, gristle, and blood is starting to fail me, and I'd like some new parts. <laughs> uh, I want to upgrade uh, my rig here. Jesus. Start with the spine. 
Now let's get some new knees while we're at it. The ones I have now are terribly designed. <laughs> Who would ever build a joint like this? Oh, well, fun. speaking of terribly designed. Let's go! Uh, segue, Are you ready kidding. to flame uh, the internet, Dan? <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> so the next game we want to talk about is uh, Elden Ring. Let's go. Came out earlier this year. Did just win Game of the Year. The did just win awards. Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Yes, it did. And a number of other awards. It was nominated for many. Mm-hmm. It is... I would say... Say what you will about the game, and I will say what I will about the game. Yes, you will. <laughs> it, def- it definitely is the the game of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah. It is It is like the, the big thing mm-hmm. of 2022. I mean, for better or for worse. I mean, in ter- and it's interesting, you know, as people, those of us who have been in video games and video game culture, um, you know, for for better or worse, um, you know, I think all of our all of our, our child, both in our childhood, teenage, and adult lives, um, and maybe again, I'm just not as plugged into stuff, but I'm thinking like in the early 2000s, where there were like games that were kind of like big cultural events, at least in game space, and. I sort of feel that like the hobby is to a degree fractured or maybe I'm not just as connected with the wider hobby that I don't really see that at those as much, but I would definitely say that um, Elden Ring was one of those early 2000 PS2 style killer app things that everyone was talking about. And at one point everyone was playing in the game space. Um, And again, my diagnosis may be very wrong. I think one of the things I admire about you, Dan, is how much you, keep on top of games in general um but uh w- what do you think of that analysis i think it's a really apt analysis uh the uh this is a game that was talked about for months after it came out it is a game that is very much a game mm. and <laughs> it has uh it's interesting. It's 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 one of the first games that people truly got excited for in a long time in that way. Mm. It is huge. There is so much to see. Mm-hmm. It is it, it is when you get to a, a thing like the Game Awards, it's almost hard not to give it to Elden Ring mm. because of how much it does. It is it is it is not my favorite game of the year. But based on sheer girthy magnitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but but based on what it did, what it was, I can't... For, I'll, I'll tell you this. My favorite game of the year was a game called Tunic, which, oh. is, a, which is a Zelda-like, like older Zelda-like style game. Fairly simple, short-ish compared to other games. It actually has some Dark Souls to it itself. And it's combat, but what doesn't these days? But it's a simpler thing, and it's 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 difficult for me to go into something like that and say, oh yeah, no, Tunic was really the best thing, because Elden Ring is so massive and does so much. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I liked Tunic more, if that makes sense, right? Um, 
Tristan, before I dig in a little bit more into Elden Ring and my thoughts on it, did I know you played some of it? I know I don't think you I don't think you made it to the end of the game, but I, I wanted I to get not. your thoughts on it. Um, so as someone who has less and less free time to play these <laughs> giant games, um, like I'm probably not going to be able to finish God of War Ragnarok simply because there is so much padding in that game. Yep. Oh my god. The game could be like a third of how long it actually is. And then it would have decent pacing. Oh my god. Um, but from what I did play of it, it was... It, it really sort of scratched both of the itch of... Like, the Zelda style. There's stuff hidden everywhere. Like, uh, th- there are little things hidden all over the place. There's so much you can go off and explore and do. Um, but on the other hand, I felt it was kind of missing because it was so open-ended, the sort of direct focus that made something like Bloodborne so great. Couldn't agree more. And I, I think what th- the way I think about it is it's, I think the scope of the game itself was too big for From Software. Mm-hmm. It the there's a couple of things about this game which I find fascinating. <laughs> I, for one, there's a big issue with reused content, mm-hmm. and that actually goes two ways. There's there's an issue of reused content in within the game itself, which makes more sense, right? Like think about any game where like a JRPG where you fight the same enemy 12 different ways. They just have different color. They're just a different color (laughs) throughout the game. There's that. But then there's also an interesting piece where Elden Ring really is a culmination. It almost feels like the sum of the parts of all of the games they've made before in this series, for lack of a better way of putting it. (laughs) So enemies from the original Dark Souls through to the third one, from a Bloodborne, from even a Sekiro to a degree, are all in this game. Really? <laughs> yes. So, so wait, so like the reused less... enemies? Yes. Is that so good the or less bad? You've... Well, so the less you've played of those other games, the better your mileage will be, I think, here. Interesting. Because you've never experienced this. Yeah. But the less you've played with those other games, the more confused you're probably going to be too, because there's a lot of obtuseness to the design. Oh god, there's so much obtuseness. That's not, I don't think that's even a word, but that's that's fine. You yeah. understand. Uh, the, then, the other thing though is, within the game itself, there's a lot of reused content, and I actually found that the further I played, the worse the game got. Because really? those moments that were so special at the beginning just get reused over and over mm-hmm. again. And become tired. Oh shit! And it's a it's an issue of the size of the game itself mm. being open world and being freaking huge, and being this eighty to hundred hour thing that causes this. <laughs> because if you actually take just the what are called the legacy dungeons or the the primary dungeons you explore in the game, and some of the primary areas of the game, it's fantastic. Like it's incredible. Right. Like, I don't know how much of the castle you explored, Tristan, in your playthrough. The first one? Yeah. 
Oh, I exported the shit out of that. Incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's also that huge face in the basement, and you're like, the fuck is up with this huge face? Yeah. <laughs> that. That's. Those dungeons are insanely good, but that's oh, yeah. only a piece of the content. You'll. You will. You will be running through a field early on in the game, and a dragon will come down out of nowhere in the distance and attack you. Yeah. And that's a special moment until you fight eight more dragons yeah. <laughs> throughout the rest of the game because they had to put something in this ice field that you go to 70 hours later. Um, so it almost feels like if they had cut the game into a third and just focused on that good stuff, it would have been just incredible. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird one to judge because all that stuff is in the game. The incredible game is in there. You just have to avoid two thirds of the game, and you'll have your fun. <laughs> so, is that it, is that making sense at all? It's yeah, yeah. It, it's making sense for for absolute certain. Um, I guess to me, what is uh what I what I be, what I'd be asking you about is that like so the reused enemies like is it mm -hmm. is it ever like fun? Because one thing that I didn't talk about with with uh, Infinite is is that um you. For the first time, you got to really fight brutes and elites, like, on the same side. And anyone who's played Halo knows that, like, elites and brutes fight very differently. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about Infinite was that, like, oh, I'm getting kind of, like, the best of of Halo enemies and then some. Whereas is that... So was it that experience when you're playing... When you see, like, oh, this is an enemy from Sekiro? Or is it really, like, they literally just reuse the exact enemy from Sekiro... And this is taking me out of the experience because I don't see any lore reason why the fuck I'm stabbing this ninja. I think a, a little bit more of the latter mm. um, in this game for my experience. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> you'll go down somewhere and there'll be a basilisk from like the original Dark Souls. And you're like, what the? What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> but again, like it's not about it's just it's just it's a strange it's a strange thing it's hard to it's hard to say it, it, it's hard to talk about it's weird the, the other thing about there, there's a couple other negatives i have and i with with this style of game one is i'm just not there are a large number of build options you have with these games mm -hmm. but i just don't find i find the core element of Elden Ring gameplay or Dark Souls style gameplay to be kind of boring because you're doing the same thing the whole game effectively. Yeah. Like it's when you really get down to it, you are dodge rolling, maybe blocking. You're you know you're strafing around an enemy when you fight it. You're either dodge rolling and or blocking, and you are using your move whether it's casting a spell or swinging your sword or shooting a bow. You know, whatever build you have is your build, but you're that's that's the game. You explore places, you walk around places and get treasure, and you fight enemies in that way, and that's it. Um, so over an eighty-hour, hundred-hour experience, it gets stale. Ooh. That's just a, that's that's more of a me 
issue though. Like if, if you've, if, I mean, if you, <laughs> at this point, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of those games and you haven't played Elden Ring, I, I that, that just does not compute to me. So yeah, <laughs> it's a weird saying that, but like, if you didn't have that problem in the other games, you'll be fine with this. I, I've always kind of had this issue. It's, it's why Sekiro is actually my favorite of theirs because there's a bit more to the specific, specific combat mm. and it's focused um, in those games around that combat style. But that's that's my issue with Elden Ring. Also, at towards the end of the game, the bosses are, in my opinion, hard for the sake of being hard. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're un- to the to the point of being unfair, or just enemies that deal a crap load of damage, no matter what you know, yeah. just by breathing on you. Unless you have, unless you have, let me solo her there to help you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So who's the so. How is the story in it? Because uh, that, that would be something that uh, I'd be like. I, I know there's a shit ton of lore that got dumped on me when Lexi, uh, my partner, downloaded it and started to play it. Um, neither of us really got into it. Was, I think from because for both of us it was just like miserably hard, and it also for me it was not hard in the way that I grew up. Like I don't mind dying a lot of games, but I like being able to progress as I die. It's actually I think one of the reasons why. I love playing Halo on hard difficulties. That like you will die a lot. You will spend hours, but you will go forward. And I feel like <laughs> I don't wouldn't go forward if I continue <laughs> to play Elden Ring because I'm just not as good, and I have no intention of of like basically rewiring my brain that much to just to play the game the way they want me to play it in order to do it. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> and what I'll say about that is with all of these games, the Dark Souls, the Elden Rings. Well, for one, Elden Ring is actually, the mythos was partially written by George R. R. Martin. I didn't know if you knew that. I now remember that. Um, which, yes. you know, I, I, I do love me some George, but... Uh... I bet it was all the parts with the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I will also say that that is one of the draws for me with these games, and I think for a lot of people, the... Not necessarily the story itself, but the the writing, the background lore, and the characters. I always I always feel are a, a strong part of all of these games, and Elden Ring is no different. the The demigods that you fight are incredible. I, I've told people before. I almost I just wish I could read a graphic novel of Elden Ring for, instead of playing it. Like, I just want to read about these characters and, and kind of read about it that way. So I think that's a strong suit. The other thing you have to understand about these games, which this is not the way I like lore, by the way, but some people do, is that a lot of the story and lore is actually tied to the items in the game. So picture, picture, um, cause you're a big magic guy. Picture that all of the lore of Magic the Gathering was written in the flavor text of every card. Okay. That is Elden Ring. That is that is these games. So if you pick up a I don't know, any old item off the ground, you could pick up like the shell of a snail. If you go into the inventory and read about it, there'll be flavor text that'll say like you know, these snails are a delicacy consumed by the <laughs> right. priests of old, and you're like, 
Wait, the what priest? Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. Interesting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So imagine if you open up a deck of magic cards and the flavor text in each of those was like talking about something that you may or may not have a connection to yet. Like you you pick up a something, you know, the elder tree card and you read the text and it's like you know, Urza carved his initials into exactly. this thing ages ago. Right. Back when he had a desperate crush on his wet nurse. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And then two hours later, you find some weapon that belonged to his wet nurse, and there's more lore there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's how a lot of the story... If, if you just go through the game and watch the cutscenes and play the game through, I think you'd be super... I know I am. I am always super confused about what the hell's going on yeah um, in the game i just find the characters so fascinating and the world so fascinating all the time that i don't really care i just enjoy the characters nice. yeah I, I honestly really wonder um how from soft because it, it feels like from software is at the point where they're like okay we did elden ring we're spent yeah <laughs> We done. Our low, we we've we've put out our magnum opus for this. Jesus Christ! I want to sit down, smoke a cigarette, and oh, hey guys, we're gonna do a new armored core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It, it's funny you say that. It almost feels like a clean break, Tristan. Like, yeah, Elden Ring is the end of whatever this is, whatever this was. Dark Souls, Bloodborne. I'm not even going to include Sekiro in there because I think that's its own thing. But like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and then Elden Ring. And then, okay, we're going to clean break. We put out an armored core, which apparently, Tristan, I don't know if you saw, but apparently is going to take a lot of learnings from Dark Souls games. Oh, I, of course. Uh, but hey, it's like, okay, guys. Okay, guys. Yeah. We've given you all of your lore bullshit. We've had a whole story, you know, partially written by George R. R. Martin. Big 80, 100 plus hour game. Who's ready for some giant robots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then maybe that this will be the clean break and then the next thing will come after. Yeah. <laughs> All I gotta say is the Armored Core fans are eating well tonight. Yes. Yeah. One of my one of my best one of my best friends has been an armored core fan for many many years. I I used to play it with him on the PlayStation One way 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 back. Um, but he's he's really the fan. I'm not as big into them, but he is dying for this sixth one. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I've ever actually played an armored core game. They're fun. Yeah, yeah. I know there's I know there's a very dedicated fan base. Out yeah. There oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's one of those. It's one of those uh, franchises that just somehow sidestepped me, despite my love of giant robots. Yeah, yeah, that's surprising considering. Yeah, I do, I, if I do remember correctly, you you do love the giant robots, Chris. Yeah. Well, to be fair, like Gundam also sidestepped me. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which is weird to say, um, though. I am watching uh, Witch from Mercury, and uh, let me tell you that series. There's two ways you can watch that series. Uh, there's an episode zero. If you watch episode zero before you start the rest of the series, 
you'll go into being like, oh, okay, no, no, this is going to be a proper Gundam series with all of the dark, horrible, like, anti all the dark, horrible overtones and anti-war message that we're used to. If you don't watch Episode Zero, you're like, what is this? Is this Gundam High School, but with lesbians? Until you get to, like, Episode Six, then you're like, oh, no, okay, no, it is going to be a proper Gundam series. I mean, the other um, thing, the other version seems pretty nice to me. Gundam, Gundam High School with, uh, with women who love women. Go. Yeah. Go. It turns out, it turns out Yuri was the secret ingredient all along, is guys. Is it really secret? Uh, for Gundam, probably. I, uh, I do want to call out one thing Elden Ring does that is a little thing that I hope every single game ever made does after this one, too. Which is involving its map. I loved the way that they handled progression on the map, where... So what happens in most games is you're exploring the map and there's the fog of war around where you haven't been yet. But you're able to open up the map and zoom out and say, okay, well, I'm in this corner. The map goes only so far. I'll explore to that other corner and then the map will be done. What Elden Ring does is it starts out with a very small map. You're in the middle of it. And you've, you know, as you go, you unveil the fog of war. But it doesn't show you the edges of the map. What ends up happening is the further out you go in any direction, once you exceed the side of the map that you're on, the map expands to include mm -hmm. that new section of the map that you're exploring. So you don't know when the world's going to end. And turn in any direction either. Because yeah. it'll expand to the north, south, east, or west, and any direction in between. And, which is really good in this game, that is so huge, mm -hmm. where every time you go north, you're, or east, or whatever, you're saying, is this map ever going to end? <laughs> and every time, every time it does that zoom out, yeah. you're just like, oh! Oh! <laughs> yeah. It just keeps going! Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, it's a little map thing that I hope every game does that has an open world going forward because it was just so effective, in my opinion. Nice. No, that is it. That's anyway. awesome. Um, no, that's, that, Any, that's cool. Any other questions, Vera? I mean, it's so, you know, since you know, a lot of the lore was basically you know, from the items, from doing things incidentally, etc., um, did any of you finish the game? Like, does it have a really satisfying conclusion, or, or is that really not not the, or did you not get there slash not really the point of doing any of these things? Well, there's an ending where you can marry the witch girl. So. Yeah, uh, there there, <laughs> like, there are multiple endings. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? I did. I thought this was yeah. like JRPG style where there's only one ending. No. Oh, fascinating. Is that a no. normal from software thing, or is that new for this because they brought on Martins and such? Um, no, somewhat it's, normal. It's like somewhere normal. between. It's probably the most endings I think of any game. But there are other games. Um, Sekirak had three. Yeah, Bloodborne has three. So it's what is different about this one, I think, than the well, yeah. What's different about this game than the others is that the other games, to my knowledge, from what I know about the endings of them, 
you can do more things and by doing the more things you get a different ending so like so you get to a certain point and end the game you get one ending but if you get to the end and you've done this other thing it's like the more you unlock the better your ending is kind of thing or the better your ending is not even the right way to put it the the ending changes (laughs) yeah also like so for so for uh, bloodborne there are three endings right right you get to the end and spoilers for bloodborne you are offered a choice yeah if you take the choice you say the game ends yeah if you don't take the choice you have an extra boss fight and then the game ends if you have collected and used at least three of the four, uh, three or four things you can collect by going off the beaten path, finding certain things, etc., etc., and then you don't take the choice, you'll get that boss fight and then another boss fight, <laughs> and then you get the special ending. Yeah, Sekiro's like that too, except Sekiro also has a bad ending that you can get earlier on in the game. Elden Ring is more like Bloodborne, except it's you get to a point in the game, at the end of the game, and you can you make a decision, but there's like four or five different ways that that decision can go, based on what you did earlier in the game. Wow. Uh, so you beat the game, but then depending on what you did, you have an option, basically to say, okay, well, I can choose one of these three endings because I did these three things. So that's. That's kind of the way that Elden Ring works with its ending. But I, I did finish the game, and I did finish it with one of the more bizarre endings, which I I don't think is a spoiler because it doesn't talk about what it actually is, but I did the Frenzied Flame ending. I'll just leave it at that, hmm. um, which was a lot of fun and chaotic. But uh, yeah, I, I got to the end of the game. And I would tell you, without watching videos about it there's a popular youtuber named vati vidya that does a lot oh, yeah. of really good lore videos which are really fun it's it's basically his entire career now yeah it, without those videos i would on i can honestly tell you i'd have like a 10 percent idea what the mm-hmm. hell is going on even after beating the game mm-hmm. now it's it's all fascinating and i really enjoy learning about it but in the moment in the game, I have no clue what's going on. It's like it's like it's just, <laughs> without reading the without reading the items, without watching the, and honestly, watching Vati videos videos <laughs> is the equivalent of reading. Is it's like an easy way to read the items because they basically give you the lore through the items, and, and he has kind of this voice. Yeah. Yeah. But what could it mean, yeah. this voice of his? Yeah. Well, if we look at this other item, yeah, it explains that long ago, Vati took voice yeah. lessons. <laughs> Damn. So it's anyway. If I didn't know about any of that stuff, or what, I'd be pretty clueless. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, it's a vibe, you know. It's just, without without that extra bit of story, it's just a vibe. You're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You. If you want context, you gotta dig. You gotta really dig deep. The the one thing I will say, though, uh, Barrett, to your question that I do appreciate is, I I don't know that they've ever had like a truly like good ending. Like like 
meaning I don't I can't think of a game that had an ending that was just like oh yeah everything's it's just fixed like yeah exactly I'm walking into the sunset life is good hunky dory yep I got all the things so now everything's good no everyone's just... fine nothing <laughs> yeah, bad so... has happened does it ever have like a no. satisfying ending though where like you know yes okay because like things don't have to be you don't literally have to have the re4 um like you know turn right. down the president's annoying daughter because you really want to sleep with the woman who was machine gunning at you on day. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, it, hey. She, she's a part of him he can't let go of. His wand. It, it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, I think, an iconic, like, very good ending, etc. Um, you know, but, you know, but at the same time, um, I, I know it's, it's actually interesting in terms of Halo, like, thinking about, like, the ending, um, like the ending of uh, of three is like kind of like a downer too. I mean, like yes, Chief survives, but like he and Cortana are like pretty much like you know alone and isolated forever. Okay, such and, and, and so you know, they, they encounter that planet, etc. But you know, until you get the post credit scene by being on Legendary, it's just like okay, you know, years they're gonna be and she might go rampant while uh, while Chief is is out. Um, so no, it's like, but it's so yeah. A good ending doesn't have to be like you know happy, hunky dory, and sunset. But satisfying is, I think, especially with the amount of time you put into a game. Um, it's like okay, this is I'm I'm uh, I'm pleased that I went through this. So I'm glad that that, that you get that experience if you're willing to to grind through from from software. Which again, no hate. It's just not my idea of a good time at this point in my life to pretty much just have to go through all of that. When there isn't like those immediate store, when there isn't as clear a story reward um, available to me, if that makes sense. Yep. I I will also tell you that the endings of these games are, I don't know the right way to put them. Maybe Tristan can help with this, but they're almost like fatalistic. Isn't? Oh, fatalism is a huge underlying yeah. theme throughout. Basically, all of the Blood Souls games. Yeah. Okay. So I, or Soulsborne, yeah, however you I like did it. get that. Split that up. Right. Yeah. The, the endings can be fairly fatalistic. Um, well, even like okay, even if we go back to like the original Dark Souls. So, spoiler for the original Dark Souls. At the end of the game, you have two options. <laughs> you either let the fire die, and let the world end as it's supposed to, and maybe something comes around again or you sacrifice yourself to rekindle the flame perpetuating this ongoing state of stasis and decay yeah there's no going forward there's no improving things it's either do you end it all or do you become the next link in the chain and just have it continue on as it is and as it is is pretty god awful Wow. Anyway. That, that seems pretty bleak, <laughs> yo. Yeah. Yeah. What was the ending you chose, yeah. Dan? Uh, it's, uh, it's called The Frenzied Flame. You can look it up. Nice. I'm sure Body Video has a story about it probably somewhere. The Frenzied Flame the ending is. Cool. Well, that's <clears throat> all that's, right. all the, that's all I got for uh, for that. Um, uh, Tris, you've been playing another game, I hear? Yeah, I want to make sure we get, we get enough time for that. Percent. So, yeah, Alex... Yeah. Let's so, let's talk. Let's have Tristan talk a little bit about Signalis with us. Yeah. So speaking of uh, fatalism and depression, <laughs> so a little game came out about a month ago. Um, 
made by an indie company that is, as far as I'm aware, I think it's like two people made this game, except for the music. Um, it is called Signalis, and it is the best goddamn survival horror game I've probably played in like 20 years. Imagine someone sat down and was like, hey, you know what's awesome? Old school Resident Evil. You know what else is awesome? Old school Silent Hill. You know what else is awesome? Cassette Futurism. Like the aesthetic you get from, like, Alien. Hey, you know what else is awesome? Lovecraftian Nightmares and Eldritch Abominations. You know what else is awesome? Anime. And slammed it all together. So... It has, it is a third person, uh, isometric viewpoint, uh, sort of like top down survival horror game with the PS1 style sort of graphics that it wears all of its, all of its references on its sleeve. Um, there, for example, you can turn on the option to have tank controls if you so choose. Uh, there is a CRT filter, which actually makes the game look, like, pitch perfect. Like, I, like, every time I play this game, I'm, like, immediately back on G2, replaying Silent Hill 2. Oh, shit. That's, that's, like, it, it just perfectly nails nostalgia for these games. And, and does it perfectly now I will say I haven't finished it I am probably about 70% 65-70% of the way through based on time got it um, so I don't know the endings yet I've deliberately been keeping myself away from spoilers but I can talk about at least what I hypothesize is happening um, so, so the setting is it is the it is in the future, and humanity, uh, which is currently, uh, there's a t- sort of tyrannical, semi-fascist government um, that is sort of taking control, and humanity has gone out and has started to, uh, and started to colonize. And there are, but basically the way they do this is with these little exploratory teams, they consist of a human being, who in the game is referred to as Gestalts, and a uh, android companion, who are known as replicas. And you take on the role of a of the uh, replica Elster, L S T R unit. Um, and the game opens with you in your ship having crash landed on an ice covered planet and your gestalt is missing and you need to go find her. And then it jumps either forwards or backwards and you are still that just that replica, but you're in a different space, but you're also looking for someone that someone is different. It's not the 
original person. And something has gone wrong. A contagion has spread throughout this installation, which is killing all the gestalts and warping and twisting the replicas into just these nightmarish zombie-like monsters through the organic components that are in them. Um, there is... Hold on, let me just get a little more comfortable. I gotta sit up here. There we go. Uh, there is a ton of lore dumped so far just about the different worlds and each of the different models of replicas. Um, we've gotten to a point... I've gotten to the point where it's been revealed that replicas are all based on humans right so each model of a replica so there are a few models but all the models are the same so for example like there are like if i met another elster that elster would have the same face same body like same setup same base persona um so we've learned that that uh, the replicas are we're all based on people and they have all the same sort of idiosyncrasies. So, for example, there's like the Yule units, who are the sort of generic worker bots. And it's like, in order to keep uh, your Yule units happy, you need to have like 10 of them because they're very social. Um, you want to make sure they have like at least one mirror. Uh, they are sort of a little fussy about their outward appearances uh and they need access to music because they were based off of the the person they were based off of was a ballerina and so they need space and music to like listen to and dance to, in order to maintain a positive mental state and so so you're getting back and you're exploring through uh the station and you are sort of trying to piece out what happened here, what, like, what the underlying thing is going on. Try, you're tracking down the gestalt that you know, who is supposed to be your partner. Uh, and it all starts going very, very wrong. As you keep going down further and further, you start on the on sort of the ground level and sort of work your way down through it and then you hit the mines where they were digging out and trying to expand out the base and then you go deeper and i'm at the point in the game where it has gone squarely from resident evil to straight up silent hill wow this looks awesome i'm, I'm looking at screenshots i i didn't realize what it looked like, I guess. Um, it kind of has, you're right, it has a PS1 vibe. There's a spe specific game it has a vibe similar to, and I can't think of the name of it right now. It's bugging me. But right? It very... But it, it scratches that itch in your brain. It's like, I know this. The art style. What the hell was the name of that series? Uh, were you, was it uh, Fear Effect? It might be. I th you know what? I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. 
but it is it is full on like it, it follows all the main tropes of survival horror. You've got really tough enemies who will get back up unless you bird them, and you have a very limited number of flares, limited ammo, limited healing supplies. Uh, you can only carry six items, and the reason for that is because this uh, is because you are programmed in your base programming that you cannot carry more than six of a thing mm-hmm. because communism. Wait, really? Yes. Yes, because hoarding items is bad. Holy shit! So, so you can only carry six things. So this now, is the- like a stack of ammo. A stack of healing items count as one. I'm trying to find... So, you said this game's called Sigtalis? Sigtalis. Okay. S-I-G-N-A-L-I-S. Yeah, because I was, like, trying to Google those screenshots. Oh, wow. This looks so pretty. It is gorgeous. Stylized. Holy stylization. It is stylized to hell. And, and here's the thing, Barry, is that just looking at the screenshots, what you aren't getting is the lighting. Right. Now, is this all... The lighting in this game is... Fantastic. Now, is this game on... Uh, can, can I play this game on Xbox? It is. It's on Game Pass. Hell there. yeah! yeah. <laughs> it, is on, it is on everything, which is nice. Uh, it has also uh, been published by Humble Games, so it's also part of their, uh, their Humble program. It'll probably be on a Humble Indie Bundle at some point. Well, look like meets, looks like Meat's back on the menu, boys. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I got a game! We're gonna play some of this. Oh, oh yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. You know what this is kind uh, of? Oh, the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. Yeah, there's also now it is mostly third person, but there are first person segments, which are thus far I think they're dream sequences, but they could also be inherited memories. Oh, that's fun. But what's weird is I go into these dream sequences. And get an item in the dream sequence, and when I come out of the dream sequence, I still have the item. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Remember how I was talking about Lovecraftian horror? Oh, no. <laughs> ah! Yes! Siphon filter. There That's you what go. I was thinking of. Siphon filter. Um, so, it's not... So, The King in Yellow is not by Lovecraft, but it is definitely a part of the sort of Lovecraftian mythos. Uh, it plays a big role in Signalis. And oh. there's also the possibility that th- it, there is potentially a time loop. Oh, wow. So this is like all the on. things I enjoy. Uh- but, but here's the thing, is that it may not be an actual time loop. <laughs> It may be a mental time loop. Like, like we could just be imagining that we're reliving the same days over and over again. It could be a past lives time loop because all the replicas who are basically the only ones left alive have memories of... are, are based on original people and some of them are regaining their memories of the original people they're based off of. But not you. Because I've gotten to the point where we've learned that the Elster units aren't based on the current ones. So the one that I theoretically am at this point in time aren't based off of an original human. 
They're based off of an original Elster unit who was found on an icy planet after a crash landing. Nice. So, so what? how much of this is memory? How much of this is dreams? How much of this is Lovecraftian nightmare infecting us? Don't know yet. So, what's interesting to me, too, is I, in looking at some of like that, those third-person screenshots and stuff, um, I'm getting vibes from actually one of my favorite things that was on Armor Games, may it rest in peace. Um, did you all, uh, for whatever reason, when I'm in college, I, in my epic events of procrastination, I'd oftentimes play, like, a lot of, like, um, darn it, what's the thing that's, uh, a lot, a lot of, like, different Flash games, some of which were very good. Um, one of those really good was this, uh, third-person RPG called Sunny, where you wake up as your as a zombie with no memories, and then have to, and, like, it's, 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 a it's a lot of fun. Um, but I'm just getting vibes of that, and, uh, and that's actually to the best, the, the uh, actually a high compliment, because, again, um, that was an excellent game. I don't know if it's been preserved or not because you know, there's the, the great record of uh, it's not happening. Yeah, I, I have not. Um, but I can I can sort of see where you're going with no, that. No, but I mean the, the flip side is that the, the, this whole thing seems like a lot of fun. So I'm uh, it's gonna when we get off this cast, um, I or at least this evening, uh, I will download it and uh, yeah, have some fun with it tomorrow. You know, for those of uh, for those of you actually listening to me spout out PS One game title Hell names, yeah. Tristan was right. It is it is more like Fear Effect than like a Siphon Filter. I, in my mind, I was picturing Fear Effect and saying Siphon Filter. I'm not sure. Why, <laughs> there so. we go. All good. But um, <clears throat> only way. Yeah, it's it it feels like okay. So one of the things I really like on this, and so it seems like it's going to ask the question. Now, we there's plenty of literature and media about human beings encountering eldritch abominations and that which must not should not be known and you know sanity shattering elder gods. Yep. There's tons of media about that, but it feels to me like Signalis is going to ask the question: What happens when an AI meets? Sanity shattering eldritch abominations and that which must not be computed. Gotcha. Which is a really cool idea. Yeah, it is. And and I'm so I, I'm so anxious to see where this goes. And apparently there are multiple endings based on the different choices you've made. Um, I'm also starting to suspect based on some of the memory sequences that every single replica may just be based on people who all went to school together. Huh. Oh, shit. Well, it's on Game Pass and it's less than 10 hours long, so it's right up my oh, alley. Oh, wait, so it's gonna... short too? Sign me yeah. up, yes. man. Yeah, it's, it's like a 9 to 12 hour game. That's what people, well, well, most people well, are saying. I mean, uh, and we, we discussed this like earlier on but I, I, I do think it's funny how, like, a game being short and good is, I think, for us, like, very appealing. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I mean, you know, oh, don't get me wrong. I loved it in the heart of the pandemic. I got to go through Red Dead Redemption and 
you know, I just put, I put a lot of hours into Halo, but it's also nice where it's just like, okay, I've had a complete experience in it. I mean, that's why I love Man Eater so much. It's just like, I did it. It was fun. It was good. <laughs> well, but also it feels like it's, it feels like it's setting itself up as this is a game that you are going to want to do multiple playthroughs of. Oh, gotcha. so we're thinking different endings. Then. For different endings, because there are multiple oh, endings, shit. but also, but also for just the uh, sixth sense effect, like, like there may be things we learn by the end of the game that you will want to play the game again with that foreknowledge, mm. and be like, oh, cool, oh, that's that's that sounds pretty. That sounds pretty. Uh, this all sounds like a really, really cool game, Chris. Um, we may have to... I, I'm curious what happens after Dan and I play it, because um, I think the next time we cast, we may uh, maybe salute We may need to, to do a Signal spoiler cast. It's possible. It's possible that this it's it, possible. It, it goes on its own. Um, at the very least, it'll be mentioned in Ramblings, I'm sure. Um, if it looks... Oh, any, yeah. If, uh, if, it, if it goes up to any about what you're saying. But yeah, but it seems like it's, uh, it's scr- it'll scr- scratch itches for both myself and Zeta, if you want to Oh yeah, um, I will, and just to if if this has not been enough of a glowing recommendation, um, Guillermo del Toro didn't like is such a fan of this game that he actually recorded an opener for one of the trailers. Oh nice! Really? So just him, just just him being like, "This game is awesome. You're gonna watch a trailer of it. Holy shit!" Um, and it opens with a Lovecraft quote, uh, quote from L.P. Lovecraft's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's, um, I think it's the festival, Ooh. and that quote is, uh, it's great holes. Hold on, let me get the actual specific. Yeah, I'm watching the. The video, the short video trailer, it's really nice too on the Game Pass site. Nice. Take a look at it. I like the PS1 aesthetic, so. Yeah, here we go. It's. Yeah, I think it's, I believe it's from uh, from the festival, it, which is Great holes secretly are digged where Earth's pores ought to suffice. And things have learned to walk that ought to crawl. <laughs> and awesome. if that's not the perfect like setup for, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> Quote. Yeah. Yeah, it is visually and like aesthetically stunning, and like I said, as as I've been playing it, it has taken me right back. To those days playing like Silent Hill 2. Hell yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, I can't wait to try it out. Yeah, I, re- I recommend all of you try it out, especially considering uh, Callisto Protocol was such a such a horror flop. Yeah. Well, I will I will uh, try it out and uh, I will uh, probably be blowing up the chat with uh, some good stuff about it. Oh yeah. Spoilers, uh, there will be depressed there will be depressed cute robot girls. And I just want them to be happy! <laughs> well, I can't wait to try it out. Awesome. Uh, in uh, 
talk about another time. Yeah. And uh, the the first boss, the first boss's intro, literally gave me chills. Hell like, yeah! Like the the intro cutscene for the first boss, I stopped and reloaded my save so I could watch it again. <laughs> awesome! And it was just like. <laughs> Well, I think the the byline or the the, the the line through each of these three games are epic, intimidating, bone-chilling bosses. So there yeah. we go. Nice. Well, it's also this has been uh, absolutely lovely to catch back with you all, and uh, I hope our uh, listener, two listeners in Ypsilanti have uh, have been having a good time. Uh, anything else that folks want to talk about before we call it? Nope, not from my end. Chris? I think we're pretty much good. It's getting to be dinner time anyways. I that. Well, it's been absolutely beautiful. So, uh, Dan, you want to do the sign-off? Sure. Oh, actually, actually, I do have one thing I just want to... I just realized. Uh, so, for our listeners out there, uh, so I had brought up to in our chat a while back um, the idea of doing little one-to-two-offs rather than getting the whole group together um, where one of us basically I was thinking we would do it where if two of us have a chance to rant about something we can do two short, short episodes with just the two people involved where one person rants about one thing and then the other person rants about the other mm. right, we call them spoiler rants is what I was thinking uh, for those of you who are listening, is that the sort of thing you would like to see? Just so that we can maybe have more regular, shorter outputs. I mean, I'd love to hear from our readers. Um, I think yes. it was what's yes. interesting, or our listeners, I should say, sorry, the whole newspaper habit. <laughs> uh, I should say that that's kind of what we did for this with like three of us, and I thought that actually went pretty well. Um, yeah. So, you know, doing with two, I, I'd be interested to see how it worked with two, but, you know, as, as you all know, I'm always a big fan of. Uh, having the more people on the better just because I, mean, yeah. I love I love hanging out with as many of my uh my, my cast pieces peeps as possible but you know the people also deserve more stuff so if there's I mean berserk cast maybe just the, the two of us and I'm sure we'll have plenty of time yeah. to go with that well if, if we're going to do berserk cast I want to try and get uh friend of the cast um uh Dave Jackson involved oh, lovely yeah. I know he's a big fan that's great <laughs> yeah the um, yeah, and if you want to give us feedback, we have um, a comment line on the website spoilermedia.net through the spoilercast route that way. Um, and many of the podcast channels have review places where you can enter your feedback. You know, rate the podcast, leave a comment. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can reach out to us through those channels, mm-hmm. whether it be on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And then, of course, the native spoilermedia.net channel. You, you have your options for, for outreach and for providing that feedback. So Use it, please. We welcome it. Mm-hmm. Also, if there's a game you would like to see us uh, stream at any point, also feel free to drop us a line. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be fun if we had a whole get-together and just did like a six-hour like in-person stream yeah. of something. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun for a shorter thing. All right. Well, all right. thank you all for joining me on this fine Sunday evening. 
the time of recording and uh, looking forward to chatting with you in episode number 96. All right, see you all then. Taco time! Taco time!